Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Holy and abundant God, help us to hear anew your word. We may become more faithful stewards of the gifts you give us each day. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. A reading from the prophet Jeremiah, the 8th chapter, beginning at verse 18. My joy is gone. Grief is upon me. My heart is sick. Listen, the cry of the daughter of my people from far and wide in the land. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is, it, is her king not in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their images, with their foreign idols? The harvest is past. The summer is ended. And we are not saved. For the brokenness of the daughter of my people, I am broken. I mourn and horror has seized me. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then has the health of the daughter of my people not been restored? Oh, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears, so that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Here ends the reading. A reading from St. Paul's first letter to Timothy, the second chapter. It can be found in your pew Bible on page 208. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. For kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and acceptable before God our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one king, there is also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus, himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all. This was attested at the right time. For this I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Here ends the reading. and pray, I didn't mean 
the gospel lesson from Luke chapter 13, 16, verses 1 through 30. Listen with me for the word of God. Then Jesus said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, what will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do when I am dismissed as manager. People may welcome me into their homes. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? He answered, a hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 50. Then he asked another, and how much do you owe? A hundred containers of wheat, he said to him, take your bill and make it 80. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much, and whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. The gift of love. That is our stewardship theme as we look ahead to the next year. I want to say a word about our stewardship theme because I think it's so important that we talk about such things with clarity, transparency, never any sort of cloak and dagger attempt, and certainly never trying to leverage any shame or guilt. I don't want anybody to feel like their arm is being twisted at church, especially when it comes to money. I believe what we need to do is celebrate the ministries of the church, celebrate all the ways that the impact of the gospel is experienced in our personal lives, in our family, in our whole community, and even around the world through our connectional giving. We celebrate the ministries of the church, and we look forward to how we can continue it into the future. Because the gift of God's love made real in Jesus Christ has been poured into our lives, and it's not a gift for us to hold on to for ourselves, but it's a gift to be lovingly shared. Now, you may be in worship right now or watching on the live stream thinking to yourself, oh man, the last thing I need to hear is something about money. Doesn't he know how tough times are? Doesn't he know how tight our finances are? Well, if that's you, then let me clearly say to you, 
hold on. Hold on, and the church will hold on to you. The church is here for you. I want to speak very personally about my family and me. We make giving to the church a priority. Now, we also give to other Christian ministries. We even give to support uh, the schools where we previously attended. We have a son who's a senior in high school, so next year we'll likely be supporting another school. And we do it with joy. And giving to the church is the number one giving priority for our family. And I humbly hope that's the case for you as well. So in the coming weeks, you have the chance to prayerfully consider, as you look at the commitment card, what you are being led to commit as you give. Because you have already received the gift of love. Today's gospel lesson, which is appointed for this Sunday is coming right on time with this theme. It's a parable that Jesus tells that involves money. Now, here's something you need to remember. If you flip back a page in the Bible, you read another parable from Jesus that has to do with money, one that we frequently call the parable of the prodigal son. Now, some people call it the parable of the father and two sons. This can be seen as a cautionary tale about the dangers of squandering what has lovingly be given to you. And then flip over a page, jump ahead to Luke 16, and you see yet another story of Jesus about Lazarus and the rich man. Another cautionary tale about what may happen if you are not generous when giving to the needs of others who are suffering in this world. So all three of these stories in Luke's gospel, one right after the next, they all have something to do with money, something to do with the importance of not squandering and, in fact, using what you have for the good, the common good, for the benefit of others. Jesus was talking with the Pharisees, and then he turned his attention to the disciples, and he tells them this parable. Now, remember, a parable uses earthly people and things in order to give a message that has spiritual heavenly significance. It's not an allegory. In an allegory, there is a one-to-one connection between characters in the story and something in real life, but not so here. Otherwise, we would be tempted to think that the master is God and the manager is, oh, I don't know. But that's not the point. Now, to remind you of the story, here's what happened. The manager was regarded as incompetent. Looks like he wasn't doing a good job, so he got canned. And he is down in the dumps. Woe is me, he says to himself. I've got no chance beyond this job that I had because he says to himself with a lot of um, self-awareness, I'm too proud to beg, and I'm no good at digging holes. So what do I got? Well, he looks around and he remembers the people with whom he was dealing on behalf of the master, the landowner. And he calls the one person. He says, hey, um, tell me again, how much do you owe? The person says, 100 containers of olive oil. 
To which he replies, oh, so you're making some sauce later. Well, that's quite a bit. Um, I tell you what, instead of feeling like you owe us 100, how about 50? Ooh, sounds good. I can do that. And how about you over here? How much do you owe the master? Well, let me see. I owe uh, 100 containers of wheat. 100, you say. Tell you what, how about we make it 80? 80? Hey, that sounds better to me. The manager acted shrewdly with both of these people, and we can imagine with others as well. But here's, here's also what happened. He boxed his former boss into a corner. In this culture in that day, when the boss found out that the person who originally owed him 100 containers of olive oil and 100 barrels of, uh, of wheat were to give just a portion instead, well, he would never dream of going back on the previous deal. That would have been dishonorable for him. So he ingratiated himself with both of these people, and who knows, many others as well. He acted shrewdly, using the things of this world. The way that Jesus advocates this way of living, the English translation of the scriptures that we have, I'm concerned that something's lost in translation from one language to the next, from one culture to the next, because you could read this story and start thinking that racketeering is a good idea, or a Ponzi scheme for Jesus is what we need to be about, but that's not it at all. Rather, Jesus is acknowledging that in this world in which we live, there are ways of living and moving with each other, and some are able to accumulate wealth. And when you do, you can use it for the benefit of other people. It's really that simple. He uses a word, a word that we translate in the New Revised Standard Version as wealth. But if you grew up listening to the King James Version of the Bible, there's another word, mammon. Do you know that word? Mammon. It's a good biblical Christian word that might be helpful for us to reflect upon. Mammon is the way that wealth can overwhelm a person so much that they forget who they are as God's child, and they start to think of themselves as haughty, better than. Not just that, it affects their decision-making. Mammon. You've seen mammon when um, someone comes into some dough, and someone says, oh, money's not going to affect him, I know him. And then you see that person the next time, and they come strutting through the door with, with a yachting cap on, talking like Thurston Howell III from Gilligan's Island. You know, there's a scene in Gilligan's Island when Thurston Howell says to Gilligan, you know, the point of making money, Gilligan says, yeah, so that you can help people. No, the point of making money is to make more money. Isn't that... Isn't that a temptation that we have in this world? Isn't that the danger that Jesus is helping us to identify? Reminds me a little bit of Kevin O'Leary from the TV show Shark Tank. Did you ever watch this show? Kevin O'Leary is 
a, what the world might call, a self-made billionaire. He worked hard from the ground up, and he started an educational software company that he eventually sold to the Mattel Toy Company for over $4 billion. And so now he, along with these other venture capitalists on the TV show Shark Tank, they listen to sales pitches, and they might enter into a business agreement joining other people in their enterprise to make money. One of the quotes that Kevin O'Leary has from the TV show is this, money cannot buy you happiness, but money can buy you freedom. To which I want to say, really? Is that really true? What do you think? Can money truly buy you freedom? Walter Brueggemann is this leading Old Testament scholar and theologian who has taught in seminary for many years, and he published an amazing book entitled The Prophetic Imagination. This is the book I had when you saw me at the YMCA a couple weeks ago. It's a brilliant book that I've been going through re recently again. One of the things that Brueggemann says is, part of the task of the church's prophetic ministry is to identify the false promises of this world. We need to expose the false promises of this world and hold them up to the true promises of the gospel. Can money really buy us freedom? Now, money can provide a way for you to not do some of the things you don't want to do. Money can purchase you some conveniences, get you out of doing things that would perhaps annoy you. You might be able to go on more vacations. You might be able to eat out at restaurants more frequently. You might be able to buy some gifts. But does that really provide for you freedom? Well, Maybe there's been a time in your life that you evaluated your income. You look at your portfolio, and you looked and you realized that you're somewhere around here. And you say to yourself, well, if I only had a, a little bit more, then, then I would be happy. Then I would have enough. If I was here, then I would be able to do all those things that I've been dreaming about and putting off for so long. And then you get here. And then once you're here, you reevaluate your, re your portfolio again, and you realize, you know, if I was just here, then I would really be able to enjoy life and do all the things that I've been wanting to do, and I'd be able to have those extra things, and I'd be able to really have the freedom to do what I've been wanting to do. And then once you get to this point, you know what happens. Reminds me of the story of a gentleman who worked very hard his whole life and was able to amass an amazing fortune. And along the way, he was awfully greedy with it. He never gave to the church where he and his family were active members. He never gave to any charities in town 
Whenever little children would knock on the door for the annual fundraiser for the school, he always turned them away. And then as he got older and older and uh, was a bit long in the tooth, he started announcing to everybody that when he died, he wanted it all buried with him in the coffin. His wife said, but dear, don't we want to leave at least some to our children? Meanwhile, a friend said, don't you know that old adage about you can't pull a U-Haul behind a hearse? And every time he said, nope, I want it in there with me, all of it. Well, the time came. And then when his coffin was being wheeled out of the church's sanctuary following his funeral, a very caring person turned to his wife, the widow who was beside herself in tears, just so sad, and said, so, so did you do it? Did you put it all in the coffin? She said, oh, I did. I wrote him a check. Put it right in there. Money cannot buy you happiness. Money cannot buy you freedom. Some of us are here. Some of us are way up here. And some of us are <laughs> way up there. Right? You have received the gift of love. And you have been given the capacity to be a faithful manager. We like to use the word steward a faithful steward with what God has entrusted into your care. There's a way, says Jesus, for us to act shrewdly with the things of this world for the benefit of others. Dear friends, the good news of the gospel is that in Jesus Christ, God has provided abundantly for the entire world, and that includes you. I pray this day that you will embrace the true riches that are already within your care. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we give you thanks for all that you have done for us, for your faithfulness is enduring, and we believe will never end. Bless us this day, O oh God, that we would be found faithful. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. I invite you to affirm your faith as we stand together and join in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated.